When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Leaf Stock Forever, episode four. Uh, friendly reminder to go listen to the previous episodes. They're out on all platforms, uh, streaming platforms, um, including recently TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. Uh, also, I'd like to mention that this is in a partnership with Inside the Rink. Go check out their website. Uh, there's an app. Download the app. Listen to the podcast right on the app. While you're there, you can buy merch. Um, and check out all uh, articles written by all the other writers and podcasters. Um, episode four, as mentioned before, so we're going to go right into the segment of jersey numbers, um, where the boys list their favorite jersey number or player who wore number four. We're going to start with Kyle. Yeah, thank you, Spencer. My uh, my player that I chose as number four would be Cody Franzen. Cody spent a couple of years with the Leafs, um, end of the 2012, actually, it was the 2011-2012 uh, season up until the 2014-2015 season where he got traded halfway through the season. Um, he was a solid defenseman. He had a pretty, pretty big uh, big slap shot on him. And uh, big, big body, 6'5", 225. Wasn't anything special, but he, he gave the – the Leafs a solid uh, second right right defense, maybe third right defense. Um, but yeah, that's that would be my favorite number four, or my chosen number four for the Leafs. Uh, my favorite number four, or most notable number four for this one, because most of the number fours in Leafs history played in eras or times where we wouldn't have been able to see them play. So I went with Gary Lehman, who. Uh, played in the late 80s, early 90s for the Leafs and was the second 50-goal scorer in Leafs history, uh, previously done by Rick Vive twice and then followed by Andrew Truck and then Matthews this season. So, yeah, Gary Lehman. Um, following on what Scott's point is, um, my player here, Corey Cross, is not my favorite player by any means. Um, but based on what he said with older players wearing number four, I'm going to choose Corey Cross. Uh, Big dude, six foot five, two hundred twenty-six pounds. Uh, only played the least for uh, the better part of three seasons. Uh, I believe he went on to play for Edmonton when they had that run against Carolina. So, Corey Cross is my number four, and we're gonna throw it to Scott for some classics. Classic Leafs number four. Uh, we went with two players who played in modern era, eighties, nineties, and before, and early, early, early Leafs. Uh, 50s, 60s, with Red Kelly and Dave Ellett. Both of them contributed to Leaf success. Uh, Red Kelly a bit more with Stanley Cups, but Dave Ellett, when he played for the Leafs in playoffs, uh, was a huge part of their team. And then uh, <clears throat> moving on to headlines, uh, we 
woke up this morning to some unfortunate news, or last night, depending, um, with the, the passing of Guy Lafleur, uh, Mont- not only a Montreal Canadian legend, but a hockey legend, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. So we were saddened to hear the news of him passing away, much like uh, the rest of the hockey world, especially following with recent uh, players like Mike Bossy. So this one came as a continued shock of hockey legends passing away. Uh, also, this morning, you might have woken up to another eventful uh, hockey game with the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, 8-1 scored, not in favor of the Leafs, but it was uh, a, a gritty physical brawl fest. So I'd love love to hear your guys' opinion on that. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Um, yeah, the, the first period was not a bad period for the Leafs. It was pretty even in shots. I think the Leafs actually outshot them. Um, we, they didn't look too bad. They looked pretty fast. They had some good chances on net. And then the second period, they just they just came out not very not very well. That Kalorn got an early goal in the second. And then they got a couple quick ones, and then momentum there just went towards Tampa. And yeah, then it, like you said, it ended up being a really gritty game. Third period was just terrible. Um, I like I liked how physical the Leafs were throughout the game, just because this could be our first round playoff matchup, and you're gonna have to show that you're you're there and you want it. Because um, playoff hockey. It, it's completely different than regular season. Like you see everyone hit and I mean everyone, but um, yeah, uh, at least it was quite something to watch. And I was pretty amazed by how many penalties were given out because I don't think I've ever seen a game that um, a game that we had that many misconducts like 10 10 minute misconducts were just being thrown out by the uh by the refs like they like it was christmas but yeah not not a good result um one one thing about the the penalty minutes that you mentioned i think the last time was that we've seen that many penalty minutes in a game in the nhl was last year with the tom wilson uh pavel busnevich uh situation that happened um but yeah like I I didn't uh, catch the first period of the game, but I mean, going to the third period, I thought uh, Graham Skilleter, who's who was the ref last night. Uh, if you guys can think back to the Winnipeg Toronto game uh, in the bubble, or sorry, uh, in, in the in the Canadian Division se- uh, season, um, he was the one who called a bench minor on Sheldon Keefe and the faceoff interference on Zach Hyman, and then that. Uh, weak interference call on Morgan Riley uh, against Nick Ehlers. So he he obviously has some kind of issue with, with the Leafs in general. So I thought that the, re- the, the refs did a poor job keeping that one uh, in the bag, and that's what led to the suspensions and the misconducts and, and all the brawls. Um, Scott's going Scott's to gonna touch on the, the fines here. Uh, yeah, so both uh, Simmons and Clifford were fined for the events of last night's game. Clifford for the bonk over Perry's head. A lot of people found it funny, but, I mean, if you're a fan of Tampa Bay, you probably didn't. But um, 
Yeah, and then Simmons, I don't know exactly what his fine one. One of you two will have to jump in and talk about that. It just looked as though he was, I don't know, it was, it was towards the end of the game, and obviously they're all pissed off at the outcome, and Simmons is there to give energy. And Simmons went in with a big hit. Um, he went in with a big hit on, I think it was Sergeyev on defense. Sergeyev falls down. Um, I don't think it was to the head, but he he went in there. He got a charging. I think he got char- yeah. uh, fined for charging. Charging or boarding or something. I don't. I didn't think he was going in that fast. Like Simmons usually goes in pretty hard, right? So. And, and can we talk about the uh, the Patrick Maroon following him around the ice? Like, isn't this the same Patrick Maroon that called Wayne Simmons soft? That had uh, Leah Hextall making the comments in the intermission, and then now the second time you could have fought him in that game and you didn't. I, I was I was I was confused on why instead of following the guy around the ice and just basically like talking to each other, why wouldn't you actually drop the gloves? And also, I touched on this the other week. Uh, Wayne Simmons, actually, I think Kyle touched on it, but I'll, I'll touch on it now. Wayne Simmons is 185 pounds. Mitch Marner is 172 pounds. Patrick Maroon is 138 pounds. That's literally that Israel Alessandra guy fighting John Jones in the UFC. And Wayne Simmons has taken these guys on. So I want to ask you guys, who is actually soft in, in this matchup? Is it Patrick Maroon who won't take the fight for a guy that he's like 50 pounds heavier? Or is it Wayne Simmons for, I don't even know why he would be considered soft. My favorite part of that, the the second altercation was uh, when Patrick Maroon did the chirping, like telling Simmons that all he does is chirp. When that's all Maroon was doing at that time, he didn't drop the gloves. He was chasing, like you said, chasing or following Simmons around the ice, just barking at him. Uh, he was doing it all game from the bench on the ice. The one time he did drop the gloves with Simmons, it didn't look like he was too interested in actually fighting. So I, I just thought it was funny that he would accuse Simmons of only chirping and not actually backing it up when the actual instance of everything that happened, it was him who was chirping and not wanting to actually back it up. And in that situation, I think I saw, I either saw or I heard something, but it was regarding Maroon was just following Simmons around. So Simmons didn't go around and hit anyone else. I'm pretty sure I, uh, I heard something or from the commentary booth, it might've been, or um, he was just trying to, Maroon was just trying to calm Simmons down and keep him from hitting other players and, injuring other players potentially um I don't, I, I, I don't i don't see that happening though like yeah the commentators did touch on that you're right but i don't see yeah. patrick maroon doing that at all i don't see patrick maroon defending or defending his teammates un- very well against simmons i feel like in that moment uh, wayne simmons is pretty pissed off about how the game's going wayne simmons is pretty pissed off about how players like michael bunting are getting misconducts f- for Corey perry attacking Mitch or uh, Michael Bunting and then he gets the penalty. He's pissed off at Mitch Martyr getting kicked by um who was it? Uh Kucherov. I I just don't see Patrick Maroon being Patrick Maroon stopping Wayne Simmons. Yeah, and I also don't think there was really any settling that game down. Like they they tried after the uh what was it? The, there was the big scrum and then there was like the 5-minute break where they were assessing all the penalties and even Ray Ferraro Gord Miller touched on it. Like, this will be a perfect instance, a break you needed to settle everyone down so all this after-the-whistle nonsense stops, and it just kept going. 
So I don't think putting Simmons on the ice to try to stop uh, Wayne Simmons from doing body checking, fighting, scrumming, whatever he was planning on doing or even not planning on doing, I don't think there was any form of trying to stop that. I think even then, like after that Simmons thing, there was like a minute left. They continued to run the clock for like 15, 18 seconds while play was stopped just so that the clock could uh, eat like more time was cut down. I don't, yeah, I don't think Maroon was stopping Simmons and anything he was trying to do. Even the refs couldn't get it in handle, so I don't know what people are talking about there. And 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 you can blame the ref for those for those uh, situations happening. If if Graham Skillator was an actual good ref in the NHL, he would have stopped that. That's the same thing that happened uh, earlier this season with Jason Spezza and the and the Neil Pionk and the Logan Stanley and the Mark Shifley and all this other bullshit that happened. And then they tried to stop in the second game. There's no way that you're you're stopping that game when it's eight one. Tampa Bay's got their top power play unit out on a 7-1 or 8-1 game, like there's no way that you're stopping that. You should have stopped that in the first or second period and not left it to the last 10 minutes of the game when people are just over the top pissed off with the situation. Like, I don't know what you guys think on this situation and, and this matter, but if the refs would have done their job earlier in the game and not called like three out penalties, I think that it would have been a little bit different of a situation. Yeah, well, I, I think at this point, this, this ref, um, the league should really be looking at this and seeing that this is the second time where this ref hasn't really handled the situation the best and that he should maybe go down to games where um, obviously you, it, some games are unpredictable. You don't know how rough or physical it's going to be, but uh, maybe you should go down and go to a game like uh, – he should ref a game like Columbus and Philadelphia or something like that. Something where you don't really, where you won't see as much roughness. But like I said, it's unpredictable. But when when you're Tampa Bay versus Toronto, you know playoff implications, um, and you know that you might be playing this team in the first round. Obviously, you're going to try and make a statement and. That's what happened. That's why you saw everyone hit more. And, yeah, the, the ref did not handle the situation properly. And back to your point, Spencer, he did not handle the last one properly, and it kept going on. And that's when he started handing out 10-minute misconducts like it was Christmas. But, yeah, he, he started a little bit, little bit late. But at that point, it was uh, – Everyone was everyone was getting the ten minute misconduct. I think the the best uh, example of how the ref was managing the game was in the third period after they started assessing ten minute and removing them from the games. Um, I don't remember who it was on Tampa, but they or it was Bunting, but who he was like going after in the corner Perry. where he kind of was it Corey Perry? Perry? Yeah, when I he went in the corner the and he situation as Clifford. Is that the one you're talking about? Like that big uh, scrum with Clifford, Corey Perry, and Michael Bunting? I, maybe. It was the one where in, like Bunting let in and like kind of nudged the guy. It looked like maybe he got the elbow up, but he didn't make contact. And then Corey Perry or whoever it was threw like eight or nine punches to Bunting's face. Oh, yeah. I, yeah and then, no, no, that was for, a different one. Okay, but then for some reason they gave Bunting an elbow penalty when, one, he didn't make contact with the elbow. Two you really couldn't call that an elbow because 
yeah, his elbow may have been up, but I think it came up after contact. And then the Tampa guy just continuously punching him in the face from behind, and the, the ref just was a blind eye to that. So I, I don't know you how know what else got the penalty on that one. I don't understand how the league didn't give uh, Kale Foot or whatever his name is. I think it's Kale Foot a, a penalty or a fine or anything on that elbow and call. Who was it that he did it to? Kerfoot? And then Kerfoot oh, went yeah, back yeah. after him? I, I think eventually he did get uh, two, uh, two for elbowing or whatever and two for roughing. But you literally spun around with your elbow up in the air to hit Kerfoot in the face. I don't understand what I don't. I I'm I'm so at a loss on how Toronto came out with two fines and Tampa came out with nothing. I still think that there should have been some kind of hearing on on Kucherov. Like regardless if he cut Mitch Marner or not, like you spun around and kicked him with your skate blade, the same skate blades that that slit Richard Zednick and who uh, the goalie's the goalie's Clint, throat, Clint Malarczyk. Like to the point that they almost died, and you're cutting, you're trying to cut people with your skates on their legs, like. Like what is what is wrong upstairs for the NHL not to do anything about these guys? You you can argue that was incidental though. Like yeah, he's so. he spun around, but like there was like they made contact with each other. So even if it was intentional, then they could always argue that the force of being nudged or making contact with Mitch Marner made him spin in that direction, which made his leg come up. So then you could argue that Wayne Simmons skated uh, and hit and hit the Sergeyev and it, it actually wasn't to the head or whatever he got fined for then. Like, you could argue that on almost, what, three-quarters of the fines or suspensions that happened? Like, I just don't understand how if this guy's... The announcers literally said he's sneaky dirty. He's been known to be a sneaky dirty player. How How isn't the league doing anything about this? No, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, they should have looked into it. But I'm saying, from the Tampa perspective, like, it's an easy argument to make where there was the initial contact that you could argue... The Simmons one was, you could argue the, the initial point of contact or there was no contact with the head, but he still hit the guy. At least with the Kucherov one, there was initial contact that made him spin. It was just whether he brought his leg up intentionally, that would be the argument. Yeah, the Kucherov one, you can you could, you could can say that he had the momentum and that's what got him to kick Marner with his skate, but I mean... Yeah, yeah, you can, you can't really, you'll never really know the that situation, but the Simmons one, uh, you can't really say that he, uh, he, I don't know, he, he did it by himself. I'm not picking sides here, but yeah, the Kucherov one was like, come on, like really, when he's like, like you said, Spencer, he's kind of had a bad reputation, uh, sneaky, quietly. Quietly had a bad reputation, let's say, but but let's bring that back to. I know we're playing what ifs here, but if Kucherov actually did slice Mitch Marner with the skate, would the NHL look into it, or would it still be there's a chance that they could say that it was in, unintentional and it was momentum, or would that have been enough for the NHL to say, all right, you're 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 careless out there, you're you're swinging your feet around, and you have blades on your feet that can cut someone. Oh, I absolutely think they would have looked into it. But I feel like the 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 penalty or the suspension fine, whatever, wouldn't have been that severe because of the fact that you could argue that he didn't do it intentionally. If he did it intentionally, then yeah, 100%, he should be suspended. But I feel like from Tampa's perspective, you could easily argue that the momentum of running into Mitch Marner carried his leg around, which would then, the NHL could see that happening, and it would make the, the sentence or the fine less less harsh. 
But um, was the was the Simmons fine? Not just because, like obviously it's a it was a board. What did you say? Charging Spencer? Charging penalty? Charging, yeah. Um, it's not that it was just a charging penalty because you always see people get charging penalties, but it was where they were at in the game and the score, and I think the fact that uh, they probably thought. Simmons was just trying to stir stuff up even more and make it more difficult for the refs. And that's when the, the I guess, league led to them having a fine saying, oh, you can't stir, can't stir up the pot anymore when, uh, when your team's down. Like, I, I think it's a little ridiculous on that. It just seems like every time something happens that could be deemed not intentional to the Leafs, it's always, it's not intentional. Like like the Cal Foot or whatever his first name is, Foot on Tampa Bay. He he throws the elbow at, at Kerfoot. Kerfoot comes back, misses the cross check, and then Foot throws a cross check to Kerfoot's face, and then con- continues to what punch him, uppercut him in the face. Matthews got suspended two games. Malkin got suspended four for the same shit. I'm just I just don't understand how it's always with the Leafs. It's always the oh it wasn't intentional or it's not that bad or this that the other. But if if it's if it's Wayne Simmons throwing a, a hit, although he charged, he gets he gets two hundred fifty or twenty five hundred dollar fine. Nathan McKinnon didn't get anything for literally almost ending no, uh, Nolan Patrick's career this year. Or hacking like, at the right. Yeah, like it just doesn't make any sense. It's always Toronto. It's always the same narrative with Toronto. It's 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 nonstop. Every every season this happens. The refs either favor the other team. Or the or the league and games like this, or the league says that there's nothing that they can do because it's not clear or this that the other. I, I'm I I think that there should be what some kind of Kyle Dubas or someone should in the league's organization should step up and call out the league. What's going to happen? They're going to get fined. Mm-hmm. Like something something needs to change because it's always the same. Well, yeah. And now that I've played devil's advocate, I'm going to go back to be on or be a full Leafs fan here. And you could easily argue that it was intentional. Because there was instances throughout the whole game where Tampa was taking cheap shots at the Leafs. You mentioned the foot elbow to uh, Kerfoot, the Corey Perry or Anthony Sorelli, I think it was, the eight or nine punches while standing behind Bunting to the face. In the first period, there was the punch to the back of the head when they were in the crease to, I think it was McKay or Bunting again. Then in the second period, there was the play was exiting the Tampa zone and there was the Tampa defense, I think it was Hedman, and he like punched and cross-checked the Leafs player right over onto the ground three times. Uh, so, yeah, there was plays all game where you could easily argue that it was intentional and and they were trying to injure, for lack of better, uh, a lack of a better term, but they were trying to send a message to the Leafs, and if the player got hurt, then they didn't care. And um, going back to that Kerfoot point, Scott, um, when do you ever see Kerfoot that upset? I, I think Kerfoot's one of the best um, one of the best players on the Leafs in the sense that this guy will get hit, this guy will get punched, he'll get friggin' he'll just get beat up and um, and he just won't do anything about it. He'll just accept it. He won't fight back. Like he'll take the penalty. Uh, but th- this time, obviously, frustration added with the score. But this time, because uh, of because the consequence. It made him that mad, and what Foot had done. You don't ever see Kerfoot go like that. So um, I, I think 
it, it must have been something pretty serious for Kerfoot to go back and be that mad. You don't ever see the guy in fights. I don't even know if he's ever gotten into a fight, but um, yeah, that's, that's my take on there that. There was one time with uh, Alex, uh, what's his name, Andreas Athanasiu, when he was on Detroit and he took a run at him. And almost hit him with a neon knee. Kerfoot was pretty pissed off. That's the same time that Jake Muzzin dropped Anthony Mantha, and everyone said that Jake Muzzin should be suspended for it. And I'm not saying I am a Leafs fan, but I also am a hockey fan, and, and I'm not saying that Toronto is the only team that has this happen. Like that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not being the typical Leafs fan, but it, it appears to me that over the course of the last couple seasons, like Matthews is one of the he's like 300th in the league in penalty calls. Uh. Marner gets barely any penalty calls. Um, Michael Bunting, obviously, because he's in the right place at the right time. But like, there's got to be some kind of different uh, approach to the lease games. Like, not all these refs can do the same stuff. And this Graham Skillator should not be allowed to co- to ref the lease games if he's going to just blatantly favor the other team because that's all he does. Sheldon Keefe talks back to him. Oh, bench minor. But other other refs can literally scream and yell in his face. Oh, that's fine. Like it just it just seems a little twisted to me that that this always continuously happens to Toronto. And the sad thing is, we've been on this now for what this podcast for almost half an hour, and we still haven't mentioned the fact that Austin Matthews is out. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, it's it's at the forefront of most Leafs fans' minds. And the other thing I want to put out there for all the listeners that that was not a representation of what this series is going to be against against Tampa. It may be physical, but Toronto's not going to let Tampa Bay uh, put put eight goals past them. That was their fourth goalie in the depth chart at the start of the season. Jack Campbell's going to be probably a little bit better, if not, what, ten times better than Eric Schalgren last night? Like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what are you guys thinking on this? Uh, like, I don't see Tampa Bay putting an eight-piece eight, eight piece on Toronto every game. You, you can go first, Kyle. I'll follow. Yeah, um, you, you've got a point. You you got Campbell going back in net. Obviously, you're missing your star player. I don't want to say, oh yeah, if, if Matthews was playing that, we would have we would have won for sure. But yeah, it, it might have had a bigger outcome on the game for sure. And I don't think Tampa Bay is missing anyone at all. Um, Leafs can put up a good fight with them. And yeah, if if that's who we end up playing in the playoffs, then uh, it'll it'll be a pretty pretty good war between the two teams because last night was just a uh, minus a score, but physicality wise, be prepared for something like that. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope we don't, I don't know the name of that ref. I forget what you, you what was his name again? Graham Skilleter. Yeah. I, I hope if the Leafs play Tampa or even if the Leafs play Boston, we, we should not be getting that ref based off of his last two, uh, Last two appearances with us, refing, uh, refing the Leafs games. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I don't think it's going to be a representation of how the series will play out. There may be a game where Toronto lets in six goals. There may be a game where Tampa lets in six goals. But just quickly, I want to point out some irony of how Toronto loses 8-1. And yeah, the game was physical. Toronto looked like they were not playing well in the second and third. Well, they didn't look like they weren't playing well in the second and third. And the like, it kind of got overheated, and things kind of took a turn. But and every now everybody's like, "Oh, Toronto's going to lose in the playoffs. Tampa's going to walk all over them." But when Toronto beat Tampa in the previous game six two and dominated, 
not one person came out besides Leafs fans and said Tampa played bad, they look weak, Toronto might win, Toronto's going to dominate. So I think it's funny the the irony there, whereas Toronto loses big and gets unplayed, it's typical Leafs always choke in the playoffs. But when they dominate the team in the previous game, it's, oh, they got lucky or, oh, Tampa had a bad game. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think the series will be good. If it's physical like that, maybe not to the extent of everybody getting 10-minute minors and getting sent off, but if it's a physical series with high scoring, I think it'll be a great series. I just don't think that every game is going to be like that. I, I, just unrealistic to assume that. And, and it's not it's not uh, good for Toronto in the long run if they're getting Simmons suspended and Clifford suspended and Kerfoot hurt and Bunting hurt. Like Toronto's going to have Toronto's going to run into some issues if they do beat Tampa in the, in the first round in the series, just like that. Um, back to what you were saying about everyone panicking or or other Leafs fan or other uh, hockey fans gloating at Toronto's loss. I saw on, on Facebook today, a uh, hockey feed, pretty notable Facebook page. They put uh, 20,079 days since this, uh, since the last Stanley Cup victory, 789 days since losing to Zamboni driver, and zero days since getting blown on 8-1 by their most likely first-round p- opponent, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like Everyone in the comments was like, um, that's not a representation of what's going to happen. But it's funny because as a Leafs fan did that, then people would just be saying 1967. Like if Toronto did that on a 6-2 win, everyone everyone would just say, when was the last time you won the Cup? When was this? When was that? Whatever. Uh, the other thing, before we get into our ad uh, uh, sponsor ad, I just want to read this Facebook post um, that I saw and get your guys' opinion on it, okay? I think the Leafs will be in trouble again this offseason. I just can't see them getting past Tampa in the first round. If they lose in the first round, it's it's massive. It's likely massively uh, tinker or massive tinkering time. I mean, they can't afford to re-sign Campbell, McKayev, and Spezza will also be gone just so the Leafs can re-sign their RFA's. I think with uh, two years left on Matthew on the sorry, I think with the two years left on his deal, the re- Leafs should really try and move Matthews to Arizona because let's be honest, it's where he's heading. Uh, the second he can pick whatever team, he goes on to say. So, yes, I agree the Leafs are likely uh, not, uh, done in the first round this season. But after that, uh will really depend on the moves they make. I know many will say the Leafs will never trade Matthews away, but I think that they know that his plan to leave when he hits uh, RF or UFA status anyway. What worries me is that uh, they, still have a, they still think that they have a fair chance uh, to sign him. Meanwhile, blah, 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 blah. Arizona has lots of cap room, blah, blah, blah. Uh, could you imagine what the fan base would do if Toronto signed or traded Austin Matthews to Arizona? Uh, well, like, first could of you all, imagine that's never happening. I agree. But Austin Matthews may eventually want to go play if Arizona's still around in 10, 12 years. He may want to go play for the Arizona Coyotes. But as of right now, next year they're playing in a university arena with 5,000 seats. Like, is Austin Matthews really going to want to go? play for the Arizona Coyotes when he could, even if he's not on the Leafs, if he goes to any other market, a bigger market, Rangers, Montreal, Boston, LA, Chicago, Detroit, whatever. Like, why would he choose Arizona just because that's where he's from? I, I don't see, like, people are just connecting the dots because that's where he's from, but there's so many downsides and negatives to him actually going to play there. Yeah, the only upside is money. Yeah, but the only upside is that Arizona could give him twenty million dollars per season. And is but when Matthews' contract's up, 
is he really going to want, he's going to want what, three, maybe four million more than what he's making now? Like the salary cap's going to go up. Maybe if it's only a million a year, but that's what, an extra two, two and a half? If, how, however long he has left on his deal, I think you said two years, right? Uh, uh, two years after this one, yeah. So that's an extra two, potentially more, if it goes up even more than it has been. Plus, like Toronto's not going to keep the same team they had this year. Like I feel like potentially Kerfoot and Justin Hall and maybe Muzzin, if they can't sign Campbell, then they're going to have to bring in another goalie, but they're not going to give a goalie Campbell $6 million when if they can't afford him. If if Tron gets bounced in the first round, it, it's it's probably going to be Nylander that's got to go to clear cap Wait, because the, the cap the caps hasn't been like when Toronto signed all these players, they expected the cap to be like ten million dollars more. But that, so that's true. But you could still dump your 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 depth guys who make more. I agree. I want Nylander. Like, and I, I'm not saying they don't need to, but I just found it funny that like when Washington, the Washington Capitals were losing in maybe they made it to the second round at least. But they didn't win a Stanley Cup in those Ovechkin's first eleven years in the league. Nobody was yelling out, "Oh, you need to get rid of Ovechkin," or oh, "You need to get rid of Backstrom," or oh, "You need to get rid of Kuznetsov." They they were just like add depth. They wanted to get rid of Kuznetsov for other reasons, though. Well, yeah, but not because they were losing in the second round of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like yeah. those players were solid on that team, and they said, "Bring in more depth with the money you have. Make a run for it next year." So why now is it? With Toronto, every fan base, including Leafs fans, are like, if we don't win this year, you need to get rid of Dubis, you need to get rid of Nylander, you need to trade Tavares, you need to rebuild. Like, what's that going to do? Yeah, like, I agree. If you keep I want those, you, you keep those seven, eight guys. You you probably convince Mikheyev to take less than what he wants. You can take if Mc, uh, you need to resign Engvall, he'll probably go for like one point five, and then you dump Hall's. $2 million contract, Kerfoot's $3 million contract, Muzzin's $4.5 million contract, and that's almost $10 million right there. And Mrazek. Oh, yeah, and Mrazek. That's a good point, too. Like, I don't see him coming back next year. So I don't feel like, unless it's like 10 years down the line and they still haven't won, and the players are like in their early 30s, mid-30s, maybe a little earlier, I don't, I don't see why you would need to get rid of your star players when you you could just keep them, add better depth, and then make a run for it next year if you don't win. And and on top of that, the thing that really makes me mad about this topic with the Leafs fans is that everyone says it's got to be Nylander that has to go because it's six point nine million dollar contract. Like I, I think I think at some point Toronto's got to like numerous reporters or um, analysts and stuff have said that they've heard that Toronto would chop Nylander or whatever. But when he scored thirty three goals, what was everyone saying on Twitter? When he when he scored what twelve goals in his last eight games, what was everyone saying that he's a he's a steal for six point nine? But if Toronto loses, then he's going to be the scapegoat. All Toronto's uh, fan base that's on Twitter are toxic and old school. They want that Wayne Simmons to be on their top line. It's not going to happen. The game's changed. Yeah, Wayne Wayne's not. Uh, he's not like how he was with the Flyers in his prime, where he can sit in front of the net and score. 34 I think he even almost scored 40 goals maybe around 30 it was um with the Flyers but uh yeah they the, the game has changed you're not having guys like that as much anymore and um yeah I, I like your point because um Nylander produces now and now they don't have anything to say yeah 
Yeah, but, but ever since he got here, he's produced. People are just so blinded by the fact that he's a quote unquote pretty boy that can't that can't take a hit or can't play defense. You don't need him to play defense if you put someone on his line who's defensive. You don't need him to play defense. He's a goal scorer. He literally said in his interview the other day, his job is to score goals. And people are like, that's that's not just your job. No, when he's a goal scorer, when he's a sniper, all he has to do is go out there and score goals. Put other people on his line that are defensive. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a two way forward, and you know, like having two way forwards in the league now on your team, that's a luxury. You don't get that all the time, right? So he's he's a forward for a reason. He's he's there to score goals, shoot the puck uh, in the net, and that's what he does. And yeah, like, like you said, now now that he's been uh, produce, uh, like you said, yeah, he's he's been producing, but now he's producing noticeably like compared to all the other guys um yeah they, they don't have anything to, to say about it because what, what are they going to say they're just going to get shut down by the by the time they uh they put a word in scott what's your what's your take on the kneelander needs to be traded because he doesn't produce oh i'm not good for his contract hated it since the the day he showed up and then a minute after he put on his loose jersey everybody's like trade this plug and it is worth noting that Scott is, aren't you, isn't Nylander one of your favorite players yeah, on the Nyland, like Matthews and then Nylander is my second favorite from Toronto Maple Leaf. So, like, I've liked him since he came up that first half year. Um, but, yeah, I just. just before I, Matthews, yeah. Yeah. I, I It is annoying when, like, and there is stretches of, of games where he, like, is poor defensively or not maybe, maybe not the best defensive player. But, like. That that can, same can be said for almost every Toronto Maple Leaf. Like they have defensemen on their team who go eight nine games in a row where they play crappy defensively, and nobody bats an eye. Everybody considers them the best defensive defenseman in the league. You know who I'm talking about. So why then? Maybe it's because it's the pretty boy stereotype. But like, why Nylander is more than just his defense. He's everything but his defense. He's scoring. Uh, even Engvall in the first or second intermission said he loves playing on a line with Nylander because Nylander can always get him the puck. Now, how many how many players in the league, second third line players in the league can like can you name that are play like Nylander? But yeah, there may be better two way, but there's not many better uh, like offensively. You could say Drysaddle, but realistically, he's a top top line. They just don't play him with McDavid anymore. Yeah, just pure. Like you're talking just pure offense. Yeah, like like, like offensive like, skill. Maybe not just point wise, but like just offensive ability. How many second like, or in the case of the Leafs, because he's now on the third line where he carries his own line. How many uh, second third line players are offensively as gifted as William Nylander? You could probably count yeah, them I, on 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 both your hands. And there's yeah. what thirty teams, two lines. That's 180 players, and you could maybe 10, 11 players you could list with Nylander in the mix. So I don't understand why everybody's just focusing on his defensive ability. When, like you guys said, he's not a two way. He's not a defensive forward. He's an offensive forward. It like, I don't know why everybody's just so focused on that. And, and the thing that irritates me the most is he's done the best this season on a line with, well, one Kerfoot, him and Kerfoot have undeniable, uh, like great chemistry, Especially but it, last he's year on the a line. Yeah, exactly. Everyone was in love with Nylander. Everyone said that he was the best leaf in the playoffs, but then at the start of the season, he all of a sudden shit the bed. Like, if you put him on a line with Kampf, 
and in Ingvall or Kerfoot and Ingvall or whomever's defensive, like that defensive mindset on that line with him, he's driving that line and he's shown that. I think the reason why he struggled so much with John Tavares is because John Tavares also wants to puck. Nylander, he did good with Matthews, but his role on that line was to get Matthews to puck, which is evident of what Ingvall said. He always gets the puck. Like he's always getting the players the puck. I just it, it, it baffles me that these old dudes that are, are still living in Don Cherry era of hockey, like move on. Like grow with a game. And you there's the same guys that have been commenting on the Leah Hextall and this person and that person or that woman and that woman about how they don't belong in hockey. Quote go go make me a sandwich. Or Why don't you shut up? It's kind of annoying. Yeah, it 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 is it is 200% annoying. It's also annoying when these people are commenting on how the game has grown. For example, I'll go back to it. Tyson Nash. He's commenting on Trevor Zegers being a quote-unquote show-off or showboat because he's quote-unquote skilling it up. I think the fact of the matter is the people who are commenting are just jealous that they can't be that person. 90% of Leafs Nation want a fan base wants to be William Nylander. That's why you're commenting so much. That's why you're so hard on the guy. Do you think that guy gives a flying F about what you guys think? That guy's making $7 million a year, scoring 33 goals a game a season, playing his dream, the game that you guys dreamed of playing growing up, but yet you guys really think that he gives a flying F about what you guys think. That they thought Nylander was overpaid? Is that what? Uh, did, uh, did someone mention? Yeah. Never mention that. Well, no, but that started when he was in his contract negotiation and he sat out for the first part of the year when everybody yeah. assumed he was going to be making $11 million, and then yeah, he signed you know, for seven. The The interesting part about that whole situation is people thought that he was making, what was it, Scott, $9 million that year that he got? Yeah. Because he had to, like, the lease had to pay him the cap hit for him sitting out. So that's why his first year contract was $9 million or whatever the, the actual total was because he sat out for the first part of the season shows Toronto had to take the cap hit. Look at cap friendly. It's a free service. Google is free. Google these things and stop making an ass of yourself all the time. Like this is why other, other fan bases rip on the Leafs so much because people aren't in the least nation don't seem to have the intelligent level intelligence level to Google things. Google what your what Google from a reliable source like Cat Friendly or other Puckpedia and, and and use that information and put it in your tweet. Then you don't seem like an asshole who just is hating on this person for what reason? Because you're jealous. Yeah, and, and to add to this, um I I'd say Nylander is a comparable to Philip Forsberg. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I think he's very similar to Philip Forsberg in a sense that uh, his offense game is very strong and um, right-handed shot, really good shooter. Um, Forsberg might be a little bit more uh, around the net than Nylander, but Nylander, obviously, uh, I'd, I'd give his role as a sniper. But um, Forsberg's making $6 million, so not they're not even a million dollars um difference between the two and Forsberg's going to be getting a new contract this upcoming summer whether it's from Nashville or um a, another team that's interested in him but he's going to be getting even more than six million in my opinion based off of the season he's had this year 
So Nylander's a steal based off based off of based off of what Forsberg's getting because I'd I'd say he's probably one of the um, good comparables in the in the league. I don't know about you guys, but that's my take I, on it. Ask anyone how much or how much of a steal Pasternak is. Because they make around the same amount. As Nylander or as Forsberg? Uh, uh, well, I, I, I'm assuming if, if Forsberg makes six around the same. Well, I, don't I think Pasternak was like, I think he was like 6.8 or whatever. And everyone considered him the best contract in the league. Yeah. I know yeah. he does different things than Nylander. He's kind of like a mild version of Ovechkin in my opinion. But he still scores goals. That's his main job. Yeah, he makes just uh, he makes in between Forsberg and Nylander at six point seven. But Pastra, how old is Nylander again? Twenty five. Yeah, I think so. Twenty six. Twenty five, twenty six, something like that. Yeah, Pasternak's uh, twenty five years old, and he's got two year this year and next year left on his contract, and he'll become a UFA. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're both those guys are good good comparables for just sure. A- just to touch back on that Forsberg thing, you said he 100% will be making more than he makes now, but probably even more than Nylander because he's having a career year. He has like 76 points and 39, 38 or 39 goals this year. He's on pace. He's probably going to get get a couple more before the season ends. So the comparison for play-wise is there, but Nylander's contract is going to look better when Forsberg's making seven and a half, eight as opposed to Nylander, who makes just under seven or at seven exactly. And yep. Nylander can, continues to put up 60 points, and then Philip Forsberg drops back down to 50, 60 points like he usually scores. Yeah, so so you got a point there, Scott. We're, the Leafs are going to be looking good at a, uh, at a contract with Nylander um, once – a guy like him signs. Obviously, they're not the exact same person, but if we were to compare the two of them, um, I think they have very similar attributes. And by the time, if you look at it, by the time Nylander finishes his contract, he will be 28 years old, I believe. 28 or 29. And Forsberg right now is just 27, I believe. So um, they're at a different... I mean, two years, but they're still both in their prime. But uh, that, that that could be big based off of production from both players and based off of how they how much their team is willing to offer them, of course. But you could also see other free agent teams uh, looking at them. But obviously, we're talking about now, not the future. Um, I heard that uh, Colorado had. Phil Forsberg on their main list if they didn't sign uh, Langdiscog this past season. That was going to be his replacement. I mean, they can't afford him, most likely. But it should be interesting to see if they actually do move on a couple people to try and bring him in. Uh, Yeah, I think think Colorado's a comparable to the Leafs in a sense. I don't know what what your guys' take on this is. But uh, like with your with your top two lines being pretty solid, and then uh, the the rest of the team being solid as well, I think Colorado's a good comparable for the least for sure. I think the best comparable is Tampa Bay. They had their core set: Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, 
Vasilevsky. Like obviously Toronto doesn't have the same core. They don't have the the core goalie, but they have a core group of players: Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, kind of falling off potentially in a couple of years, uh, Riley, etc. And then they bring up and develop depth players who then they have to move when they can't afford. But then they add new depth players that take those guys' place, which I think Toronto's going to have to run into, where they have the Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, Rileys, but then the Engvalls, Mikheyevs can play well when they're here, but then when they can't afford them, they move them on. Then they bring up Abrazitis or Matthew Nyes. Then like when the other depth players can't, they move them on, like Tampa did when they got rid of Tyler Johnson and they got rid of or lost Yanni Gordon, they replaced him with Nick Paul and, and Ross Colton and et cetera. So I think Tampa, Colorado, yeah, but I think Tampa, in my opinion, fits more with the line as a template for Toronto. I, I second that one. I think that uh, that's something that you've said for a while. So, um, yeah, you've you've uh, laid on all the points, uh, I mean, pretty well. But, and, 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 and going to what you're saying with the comparable on bring up players, I would even go as far as saying uh, always not, Ingvall's not on his level. But like you're saying, grooming the players from the minors, they groomed Pallad, who was a seventh-round draft pick. Toronto groomed Ingvall into being the the role player that they need him to be, and he was a seventh-round draft pick. So I think you're right on the comparable. It's, it's, it's pretty like spot-on. I think the only difference would be uh, Tampa has Vasilevsky, who Toronto hasn't developed a goalie since who Felix Poffin, like uh, actually a good goalie. James yeah, Reimer, yeah, James he Reimer. was kind of a fluke. Garrett Sparks, that guy was basically like Justin Hall and goalie. But yeah, yeah. Poffin. Otherwise, it was just like bring in Joseph, bring in Belfour, bring in Bernier, bring in bring Anderson. in Anderson. You want to bring in Jack Campbell? Well, oh yeah, you want to in? Yeah, yeah, but he didn't really work out on the level that Vasilevsky did. Oh no. oh no! Yeah, but he he was like that James Reimer, like this sneaky. Yeah, yeah. under the radar. Well, Toronto could have Tuukka Rask, but they thought Justin Pogge was a better answer. Uh, just one more thing I want to touch on before we move on is, uh, before these back-to-back Stanley Cups for Tampa, they also didn't have much. Yeah, they made it out of the first round, but they also didn't have very much playoff success. Everybody, they were a perennial Stanley Cup favorite, and they continued to lose first round second round they tied the record for best record or most points all time in a season and then got swept in the first round by the columbus blue jackets yeah i'll I'll give them i'll give toronto that every series that they've had in the last five years back to the washington one was either game six or game seven or game five in the in the bubble one with columbus but toronto's taken the teams that they're quote unquote the underdog in to the brink where well yeah and tampa was the top seed and got got smacked well yeah and like no one's to blame for losing that, but Toronto. The Boston series, they choked. The Montreal series, they were up, what, 3-2, 3-1 and choked? 3-1. Yeah, so, like, you, you, we're not saying Toronto, well, they should have won. We're, we're not saying, like, it's some grand conspiracy. They choked. We know that. But there's been other great teams in history. Like, the people have pointed out, I've seen Stevie Eiserman, and it took him, what, 14 years to finally win a Stanley Cup? 13 years? Ovechkin took him 11 or 12. So just because they're the best players in the league on one of the best teams in the league, standings-wise, doesn't necessarily mean that you're always going to win a Stanley Cup. Like, look at Marcel Dion. He never won a Stanley Cup, and he was, like, he's one of the greatest LA Kings of all time, perennial 30, 40, 50 goal scorer, 
Like he was a superstar in the league when he played, and he never won a cup. So just because well, you like have Ovechkin, like people were saying that about Ovechkin too, he'll still be a great player well, yeah. if he didn't win a Stanley Cup. Like it, just because you have Matthews and Marner who are on pace to be the two greatest losers of all time, Tavares, Nylander, Riley, doesn't mean that you're going to win anything in the league. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you could be the best single season point total holder, goal scorer, uh, assist tally or whatever, goalie, doesn't mean you're going to win a Stanley Cup. It takes more than just those star players. And yeah, those star players are key pieces to winning. But it takes more than just them to win a Stanley Cup. Otherwise, every great player all time would have won a Stanley Cup in their first couple years in the league. I don't know why everybody jumps on the Leafs five years into or six years into a rebuild, which was a success after the first year because they made the playoffs. Everybody jumps on them saying, rebuild this team, dump everybody, maybe keep Matthews and Marner, dump them, rebuild, and then three, four years, we'll try again. Well, why wait three, four years when you're currently contending now? You're still a contender. Just because you lost prime. Yeah, just because you lost in the first round four years in a row doesn't mean that the next year you can't win the Stanley Cup. It doesn't mean that you're a bad team. Like Toronto has been one of the best teams in the league, point-wise, statistics-wise, over the last four or five years. Yeah, they can't get into the first round. Then they go on. Then if they get beat in the second round, the next year they could get the third round. They could win a Stanley Cup. If they don't, yeah, eventually you got to solve that problem. But four or five years into Matthew and Marner's career isn't the time to do it. And and if they do make it on the first round this year, every fan of that pretended that they were a Vegas fan or a Seattle fan or a whomever fan will come back to being a Leafs fan. The bandwagon will be so full. And also, I firmly believe this not as only a Leafs fan, but but the Rangers making the playoffs is good for hockey, but the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup, like the Leafs, Toronto's a mecca of hockey. If Toronto wins the Stanley Cup, it will be so good for revenue. It will be so good for the league. Like, I don't understand why people are I, – well, I understand why, but I, it, it irritates me when people are like, oh, Matthews wants to stay for the rest of his career or until they win the Stanley Cup. Have fun being 20 years down the road and not winning the Stanley Cup. Like, the moment that the Leafs win the Stanley Cup is the moment that you're going to see all these people who ripped on them crying at the parade, which will yeah. be a national holiday, just so you all know. Yeah, and it's it's – it's a different market in Toronto than most other cities. Like, like you said, New York's pretty big. Um, Chicago, uh, they're in a different state right now, but they were pretty big. Um, but yeah, we're, we're Leafs will always be the, a lot of Leafs fans will always be behind them. But like you said, a lot of them are very toxic and, some will tend to pick a, another team that they will claim is their favorite. Let's say the expansion teams because they're the, oh, yeah, let's go uh, let's go like Seattle Kraken because they're a new team. And, uh, yeah, like, like I'll just become a fan. But the second the Leafs win a cup, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm from uh, I'm from Toronto. They're my they're originally my favorite team. So how'd that uh, how'd like in Seattle work out for you guys? Also, um, as previously mentioned in another podcast, I am a little bit older than you guys. I don't quite know if you guys remember, but there was the period of 2005 to 2010 
where oh, people yeah, were I remember people that. were actually embarrassed to admit that they were Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Like that's yeah. how bad the team was. Like yeah. people you you were asked who your favorite team was, the diehards would say Toronto Maple Leafs. The casuals would say Colorado Avalanche, uh, Detroit Red Wings, Pittsburgh Penguins, whoever was good at the time, because they were embarrassed to admit they were Leafs fans. Now we're a perennial playoff team who has had struggled to get in on the first round, but gone are the days where we're last place in the league. Gone are the days where we had one superstar in Matt Sandin, and then the next best player, no offense to Darcy Tucker, but he wasn't a superstar, was Darcy Tucker. We have five, six elite players in in the league now for a perennial playoff team yet everybody is still hating on them and And, i don't know if it's just they don't remember the times when people were embarrassed to be at least fans people showed up with bags on their head because the team won 31 games in a year it just it baffles my mind that we have a good team we're perennial contender we're perennial top six seven team in the league but everybody still hates on us everybody still jumps off the bandwagon yeah, I uh, I remember when Toronto clinched, uh, quote unquote, the Mickey Mouse division in the Canadian, uh, when they were all in the Canadian division. I remember someone close to me asked, um, how does it make you feel that Toronto's clinched? And I couldn't even put it into words, although they just clinched. I couldn't put into words how it made me feel because, like, I remember when they were so bad that when I first had Twitter, people were ripping on me for putting Toronto Maple Leafs fan in my bio. Like when, when I first got Twitter when I was like eight years old, like now, now you get like everyone has hashtag Leafs forever, hashtag Leafs nation, blah, blah, blah on their bios because people are now not ashamed. But like, I don't know exactly about Kyle, but I remember me and Scott still watching 82 straight games of that Leaf season, watching how Gil go out there with his skate guards on watching Paul Maurice say in 2007 or whatever it was that if Hal Gil wants to go out there to score a hat trick in the final game, like I, me and Scott remember that, and then when when we're seeing what people are well, saying now about the Leafs, it's 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 a it's it's a shame. Watching Brian McCabe score in his own net, blatantly Getting, just randomly shot at dead center. Watching a player shoot it from the other end of the ice and have it have it bounce past Vesatoskala. That was like, a good. T- times were bad, and we are long gone from those times. So I I just don't get why everybody's still hating on them. And and if you are true diehard Leafs fan it, it'll it'll bring tears to your eyes when they make the playoffs like in 2000 what was it 16 when Curtis McElhinney robbed Sidney Crosby I yeah. was running around in my underwear because it, it was it was such a great moment to see them clinch like if you're actually a true blue trauma police fan you will be proud to say that you were a Leafs fan from the day that you remember hockey liked hockey were born whatever to now you you don't have a, a 10-year gap as scott mentioned where you all of a sudden don't like the leaves because they weren't good scott had just mentioned times were very bad we had we had people trading well scott mentioned this before we got on the podcast brian burke traded up to get tyler biggs at what seven or eight in that draft he missed out on kucherov was he sick i thought he was like late or maybe like 14 late teens early 20s whatever whatever pick he was but we still missed out on a lot of a lot of talent in that draft toronto traded two picks that were tyler sagan and dougie hamilton for phil kessel who you guys ran out of town and now want back because he's old and you think that he's going to help no wonder why players didn't want to come here for 10 years 
And now that they're good, now players want to come here. Now you guys want all these players back, superstars back. Like, like it, it just, I just can't fathom what it's like to be a trauma belief player in this market, knowing that you're going to get ripped on, even if you wear socks and sandals to the, to the rink. Like people pick on the littlest things and it just, it, it confuses the, the heck out of me on how like this, this, this fa- at least fan or fan base thinks. Anyways, we got to get a word from our sponsors in here. Uh, when we're back uh, after the break, we'll uh, do the week ahead segment. And now a quick word from our show sponsors and friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lineups for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Uh, we're back. Uh, remember, BetUS. I believe it's BetUS underscore official on, uh, on Twitter. Go to their website. Um, go or Sorry, go to their Twitter page. Go to their website. Bet. Win money. Take your girlfriend, take your boyfriend, take whomever out, take your parents out, have fun. Um, I do want to mention uh, during the last segment, sometimes it gets heated. Uh, we did, I mean, I personally did swear a couple times. I apologize for that for whomever is younger or doesn't like swearing. Uh, I do know that there are some local people in Mean Scott's town who are listening, who are younger. Uh, so if you're listening to this, we apologize. Um, we'll, I'll try and cut it out. It's obviously not the best to swear, so yeah, get the guy. I apologize. Pleasure. I apologize for that. Um, there is one younger lady who definitely wants to listen to this podcast. So if you're listening, welcome to the pod. Welcome. I uh, hope you can bring your friends along. Hope we can bring your hockey team along. Um, but yeah, we got uh, two games ahead on the schedule here. We got Florida on Saturday, Washington on Sunday. I think Washington's going to be another style of game like Tampa. Uh, so we're going to get into the week ahead for our predictions. Uh, which one of you guys want to start this off? Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, and take the lead on this one. Thank you, Spencer. Um, Saturday is going to be a tough one against Florida, but I think the Leafs are going to bounce back, uh, bounce back, especially from last game that we had against Florida. Um, unfortunate outcome from last time, and unfortunate outcome against Tampa. So Leafs have to bounce back with a good one. Um, Leafs are going to win 4-2-3. Jack Campbell, you will see start considering Shalgren started on Thursday and considering it's a back-to-back Saturday-Sunday. And my predict- prediction for the game is that Bunting will score two goals. I've liked his physicalness lately and the fact that I don't know when Matthews is going to return, but he could potentially return Saturday. We'll see. Um, I th- I think he could still get a couple scrappy goals um, with his style of gameplay. He could get in there and put up a couple goals, in my opinion. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that he's gonna be the standout player of the game, along with probably causing a couple of 
penalties from Florida getting under the skin of the opponent. And for the Washington game, I'm going to say that the Leafs put up a solid game against them and they win in a five to four game um, physical game. Eric Shulgren starts in net, of course, with the back-to-back. Um, and you will see uh, retaliation on Tom Wilson, considering what happened last time with goalie interference and the fact that he didn't really look like he moved out of the way. Um, I think that a standout player will be Mitch Marner with two goals and one assist. Um, he's always been producing, and I think Sunday he's going to show how he's been all season. Uh, for me, I have on Saturday uh, Leafs winning 5-4. Got to continue that trend of Florida scoring four or more goals in a game, but Leafs one more for the win. Uh, Campbell starting because Florida's the tougher matchup. No offense to Washington, but Florida's the second best or best team in the league at this point, so I don't think you're going to start Shalgren. And I have John Tavares scoring two goals to be the standout player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Washington, I have Leafs winning 3-2 with Shalgren and that because it's a back-to-back. And my stand-down is Mitch Marner with one goal and one assist. And I have chosen uh, the or picked the Leafs to win 3-1 over Florida. Uh, Campbell starting. This is not an inside scoop whatsoever, but I do think that Matthews will be uh, back. If you read my uh, the most uh, recent article that I wrote, it, I did say that I believe Matthews will be back uh, for one of the two games. Uh, so I think we'll be back for the Florida game uh, in the Leafs or in the Washington game. I got the Leafs one two nothing. I think his camp uh, Campbell has a few days off next week. I think that they might start him after what happened with Shalgren. I think they might start Shalgren on Tuesday against Detroit, and then they don't play again against till Friday. So um, Campbell has some rest. Uh, Simmons, I think, is going to be the start of that game. Everyone loves a fight, so I think he's going to end up with one fight and three to four hits. And I mean, like he could end up with seven, but I mean three to four bone crushing hits. Fingers crossed. Um. But yeah, on all, all in all, I just think uh, Toronto's like Kyle said. Toronto's going to come out against Florida with a with a uh, a better pace, uh, maybe a little bit uh, more intensity uh, in 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 the goal scoring department. Uh, and against Washington, I think, as I mentioned before, it's going to kind of be a bloodbath. Um, we 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 didn't uh, anticipate to have this podcast go this long, but. I mean, the roundtable session, always, it's my favorite session of the pod. Um, so we're just going to do a little send-off. Uh, before we send it off, I'm just going to ask the guys here, you guys got anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it up? Or uh, Just a quick touch. We don't have to go into massive discussion because we already ran longer than what we originally wanted to. But And even last night when it happened, I was kind of, that's a dumb question to ask. Why would you ask that? But Scott, the... you're going to have to repeat that whole thing. Okay, uh, I'll. Uh, I have something I want to talk about, uh, and we mentioned it earlier. I think it was Spencer who brought it up, and even during the game, I said like that's a dumb question. Why'd you ask that? Later, learn that 
it might have been in jest poking fun at what Maroon said, but the Leia Hextall intermission question where people are mad at her because she quote unquote called Wayne Simmons soft. Uh, it was later learned and Simmons touched on it in his answer that she wasn't really calling him soft. Uh, she was responding to Patrick Maroon calling Wayne Simmons soft. So I just wanted to hear your guys' opinion on, on that real quick. Um, I, you mean, sorry, could you repeat the last part? You want our opinion on, on like, on like, comment? yeah, like, or the, the, the fake faux outrage of people on Twitter complaining, like, why is she talking? Why does she have a job? Oh. Who she did comment, yada, yada, yada. And even Tim Peel, disgraced referee who got caught hot miking, giving someone a penalty when he shouldn't have because he wanted to control the game, uh, put out a tweet about it saying, I know I'm going to get heat for this, but like, basically learn how you do your job yada 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 so just just quick your guys opinion on on if if the outrage is deserved or what you thought when she asked the question well my opinion is uh she did a great job i mean she did hear over over here something between those two players tim peel doesn't know like he he was a ref but he doesn't know what's happening in that moment uh she 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 asked the question that she thought was good simmons didn't seem to be bothered by it i think i think it fired him up more um, but in terms of all women and all the comments that they, they get, I can't see a world where, where hockey doesn't include women. Like the women's game has grown so much. It's sometimes it's better to watch than the men's game, uh, to, to all the little girls out there who are listening, younger girls, whatever, uh, stick with the game, try and get that scholarship. Don't listen to these, to these idiots on, on, on social media that are saying women don't belong in sports. They do. Uh, aspire to be like uh, Leah Hextall. Uh, what's her name there? Uh, the uh, the team captain for Canada. Uh, 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 Poulin. Her name now. Yeah, Poulin. Uh, Haley Wickenizer. Look at all these great women in the game. Don't listen to idiots who think that they that they can control what women can do in, in the in the world of sports. Especially at your young of an age. If you're if you're the ages between five and sixteen or seventeen or eighteen, stick with the game because good things are going to happen to you if you just stick with it and learn. And even if it's not as a player, like look at the the great female analysts, broadcasters we have with Jennifer and, Bartirol, Cassie Campbell, or even the the sportscasters we have with uh, Jennifer Hedger and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's specifically for TSN and Sportsnet because those are the ones we watch. I'm sure they have a vast majority in oh, the states. Emily with Kaplan, even. Yeah. So, like, even if you don't make it as a player. You could easily make it as a broadcaster, as a journalist. So I wouldn't. Yeah, that's a good point. And and I know that one of the the ladies, the local ladies that are listening to this podcast, has had that experience happen where where some old dude is telling her that she can't play or she's not good enough or his kids better, whatever. Just stick with it. You'll find a coach that will that will take you under his wing or her wing. You're you're gonna be great in this world. Uh, but but the thing I can't stress enough is if if you can't make it as a hockey player, like Scott said, there's there's so many avenues that you can go down. There's re- refereeing. There's there's analysts. There's broadcasters. There's GM or assistant GM. Cameron Granado, Ray Ferraro's wife. Scout. She's the assistant GM scout. Yeah, agent. Or even uh, like on the financial side, you're still involved with the team. Maybe not as glorified. The community as, side. Yeah, maybe not as glorified as the GM front office side, but you still play a part in making the team work. Like what I would do if I were, if I were any people and, or women in, 
actually any person besides the the typical quote unquote male that we see say all these comments if you're a part of any community that's not the white dominated male stick with what you want to do and use what the comments that you get throughout your life as fuel to prove that you're better than them to to be the the cfo of a company or to be the ceo or the hockey or president of hockey operations like how cool would it be to have a woman as the president of hockey ops for the trauma police to take brand shannon's job you can do it just don't listen to these idiots that are making comments about how you got to learn how to do your job because basically translation because you're a woman i don't know about your take kyle me and scott have already said ours but i mean i just there's, there's no place in the game i'm so glad tim peel is just a i don't even know what he does now he, he's sometimes on um daily faceoff but he's like a mortgage broker stick to your day job buddy i think he has his own podcast now too yeah but that's because he's friends with uh, frank cervelli like i think he's a mortgage broker by day like stick to your day job stop commenting you don't have any you don't have any um pull in the game of hockey anymore you you openly cheated as a ref yeah just to add to you guys points um to everyone out there yeah just keep your head up don't listen to the haters um they're just hiding behind a screen or whatever saying this stuff and uh yeah keep your head up act like you didn't hear them um stay uh confident think positively yeah just your your usual stuff when it comes to anything um gotta stay positive you'll get through it and yeah in the end there's there's tons of different opportunities that you could come across so just keep going and uh eventually you'll find something for sure and it's not even just in hockey in any sport stick with it in any job stick with it eventually this world will come around and the world won't be such an evil place and you guys will have your spots in the world that you deserve no matter your gender race religion whatever you want to say just stick with it be the best version of yourself and use the the negativity as fuel because i guarantee you will be better than the person just by walking away than you are than the person who's making those comments about you um great point scott absolutely great point that i'm so glad that you brought that up because i it actually slipped my mind it's on our sheet that we that we have pre-planning and, and it, it slipped through so good on you there uh just gonna ask you guys one last time anything else you can think of before we send this off other than that i i mean we went way longer than we thought covered a little bit more than we actually wanted to but i think yeah it was all good content so should uh hopefully cause a bit of a discussion amongst the listeners yeah, hockey is for everyone sports for everyone the world is for everyone this is a safe space uh you know you can dm us instagram message us uh if something you know something you want to talk about whatever but yeah just in terms of what we just said listen comment like subscribe download um and uh i mean i know i know that we don't have any donations but if you do choose to donate um We'll, we'll happily accept it. We're going to give that into a giveaway. We've mentioned that a few times. Uh, in terms of merch, it is live. There is a link in our Twitter. Um, there's a link on the inside the, inside the rink. I believe it's insidetherink.com. Their website, go there, buy the merch. 
we get uh, a cut of the revenue. So, um, yeah, we'll turn that back into giveaways. Uh, again, uh, for social media, it's at least forever pod on on Twitter on on Instagram. It's at least forever. Or, sorry, at least talk forever. Uh, like, comment, share, whatever you want to do. Put it on your story. Share it out there for the world so we can try and build this a little bit bigger. And lastly, before we send off here, I just want to I just want to welcome some some other uh, countries that I've been listening to our podcast besides just Canada and America because I think this is uh, very cool. Uh, once this loads up here, uh, welcome to Ireland, Slovenia, Russia, uh, Philippines, Hong Kong. Uh, United Kingdom, Finland, Germany, and Scott. I'm going to need you to help me with this one. It's St. Pierre, and you know the country. Uh, I, I don't actually think it's a country. I think it's a colony of France. But I think, okay, well, if I remember reading it right, it's just off the coast of Newfoundland. But I, I don't know if, I don't think it's a country. I think it's a colony. Welcome. Welcome, everyone from the United States. Welcome, everyone from Canada. Uh, at least talk forever. On Instagram at least forever pod on Twitter. We will be doing this every uh, playoff game next Friday. We'll be doing a playoff preview after the Boston Bruins game. Uh, we're going to be with you all summer long. Uh, subscribe, like comment. As I said before, we'll get this big and we'll try and uh, get some fans opinions coming up here soon when, when we get a little bit more viewers. So thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have anything that, or have any disagreements or or anything that you think that we shouldn't have said or said or you want to thank us or argue with us do so this is a safe space for everyone uh anything you guys want to add or just send this off here no just uh thanks for listening it's been great all the downloads we've we've been shocked by the total amount of downloads we've gotten so far so miles and miles ahead of what we thought we would have gotten at this point yeah i agree on that yeah, thank you for all the listeners. Uh, when we see numbers like uh, like what we've seen, we just continue to want to post for you guys, and it, it just creates more excitement for uh, myself, Scott, and Spencer, of course. And uh, we we just we just want to get content out to you guys and uh, get these interesting topics out as well. And it's open for your discussion. So if you have any ideas of things that you want to talk about on the pod, uh, please comment. Please like uh, like the post. Please uh, DM us. Um, but yeah, lastly, to touch on what Kyle said, every day every day I go on to uh, the website where we distribute the podcast, and I hit refresh, and I see the amount of podcast downloads that we've had, and it gets me so excited for the next day that we do the podcast. So if you guys are really liking it, like, subscribe, download, whatever. Listen, if we do a live stream, come on in. Uh, we'll talk hockey. We'll talk sports. We'll talk life. And, uh, yeah, we hope you have a good weekend. Uh, we're doing another podcast, I believe, Monday night or Tuesday night. Uh, so we'll get it out to you guys. And, uh, yeah, get that playoff fever going. Have a good night, everyone. Peace.